chapter 18. Chapter 18. Um, reports are that uh, both adults and children were killed in the attack. And uh, keep that church in prayer if you would. I don't know anything about that church. I don't know that anybody from that church. I don't know their doctrine. Um, only the name. But if you would please keep them in prayer. And uh, pray for our country as well as uh, leadership makes uh, leads. I pray that uh, wisdom will be used and those sort of things as well. You know, I, when I think about something like that, it's not as simple as uh, an angry person and a gun and uh, doors that are unlocked and uh, an easy prey. Uh, really, I'm reminded of the reality that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Kind of what we looked at this morning a little bit. And uh, sometimes we wonder why God allows these things to happen. But uh, there's coming a day, and we're going to look at that tonight. There's coming a day where he'll put an end to these sort of things forever. Revelation chapter 18 in our Bible. Um, now don't forget as we've been, I'm not going to go back and, and read through chapter 17 again, but we are, this one world government is what, what is going to happen on the globe, on the earth. Uh, there will be a one world government, a one world religion, a one world banking system. And it's going to make possible the commerce of the world, uh, or it's already being made possible by the commerce of the world as we speak. We're already seeing some of these things come, in, uh, come into place. It's gathering momentum. And it really is only a matter of time until they decide to locate a, cap, a one-world capital, a place of where everything will go back to that one place. And uh, that city is going to be the city of Babylon. We've been studying that. And by this time in our text, as we've made our way, we're almost to the end of our study. We're only a couple of chapters away from finishing our study in the book of Revelation. By this time in the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to be in firm control. And there's a one-world government that has been established, or will be established, with the strong influence of that one-world religion that we studied out quite in depth in chapter 17. And, uh, and then the political system and the economic system here in chapter 18, which we spent time studying last week. I want to read beginning in chapter 18 in verse 1, just to give ourselves some context and uh, to refresh our minds a little bit. Really, uh, we have moved along quite quickly in our study. At the same time, uh, we have gone maybe deeper than you've ever been in studying out this book. And, uh, and it's a lot to take in. So let's look at Revelation chapter 18 and verse number 1. And keep in mind now, we're talking about the economic and political uh, one world government that is in one place, has its center in one city, the city of Babylon. Verse 1 of chapter 18 says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit in a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. 
Reward her even as she rewarded you. Now notice here in these verses, verses 6 and following, this isn't just, this isn't only justice. This is vengeance, okay, of God upon a rebellious and wicked people. Verse 6, reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. So that's vengeance, the vengeance of God upon this city. How much she hath glorified herself. You and I ought not do that. We ought not look to exalt ourselves. (laughs) We're in bad company when we do. And live deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit as a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. She is quite arrogant. Verse 8, therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her. And lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for one hour is thy judgment come. And the merchants, so not just the kings, but now the merchants, the businessmen of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thyan wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her, by the city Babylon, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. So she's wealthy, verse 17, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught. Now the shipmasters, those that are transporting the goods, every shipmaster in verse number 17, and all the company in the ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? And remember, from that statement, we we understand that this city, Babylon, will be the greatest city on the face of the planet. There will be no other city like it. At that time, it'll be state of the art. It'll be incredibly beautiful. We have the idea. No city like it. Verse 19. And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea. Notice why they're heartbroken over her demise. By reason of her costliness, for in one hour, again, one hour is, is mentioned. So her destruction is in a short amount of time. In one hour she made desolate. But notice now, after we've seen the kings of the earth mourning and the businessmen and these ship, these mariners mourning, in verse 20 you see that there's another group of people who are rejoicing. What would cause a group of people to rejoice over a city that's been annihilated? Well, look at verse 20. Rejoice over her, thou 
heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And now this brings us to our text for tonight, verse 21. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. Now notice it's not going to be destroyed by a millstone. Uh, John, this this angel appears to John, and uh, he takes this millstone, and John's there, and he the, the angel casts it into the sea. And John watches that millstone, that great millstone, hit the water. And what would happen when a a large stone or a a millstone, like a large stone, would hit a body of water? Well, it would displace the water. You can imagine what that would be like. And uh, it would be violent. And, And notice here in verse 21, he says, thus with violence. So like like the, the way this millstone entered the water is the same way with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. So it's a musical city. And no craftsman of whatever of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. So it's a place where fine things are built and made and manufactured. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. There aren't going to be any more weddings. There's not going to be any more rejoicing and wonderful events. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Verse number one of chapter 19. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Alleluia! And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters. So that gives us the idea that this is what we're, what the, the, voices that he, the voices that he's hearing, are they, are they kind of weak and quiet and subdued? Not at all. A voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, the voice of a mighty thunderings. You heard some thunder the other day. Uh, I like hearing thunder. I don't know why. Lightning, I don't really care for at all, but thunder I like. It's powerful. It sounds that way. And that's the way it's going to sound in heaven, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God, omnipotent, reigneth. Let's pray together, and even with what happened earlier today, and uh, we think of an individual walking in and killing multiplied innocent people. This city and the system 
that this city represents. Please do not miss this. Uh, after last Sunday night, I, I, uh, nobody came to me and said, Pastor, I just understand how God could destroy you know, this is just hard for me to comprehend. And, and it is a little bit hard. I think it's really hard for our generation to consider that God would respond so harshly upon people. I think it's hard for us to digest. We just, I think in some ways, we've maybe, maybe our understanding of who God is and how holy he is and how sinful our earth is. I think maybe our understanding of those two things isn't quite accurate. Maybe, maybe we look around us and say things aren't as bad as, as the Bible says. Or, or, you know, God is holy, but what does that mean to me? And maybe, maybe this passage in our study has recalibrated our understanding of who God is and his holiness and his, his righteousness. But let's pray together, and then we'll, then we'll look at these, these things. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray as we study your word tonight, Father, it's the core, this is the heart of Trinity Baptist Church. Father, these are the folks who come faithfully and have made it a discipline in their lives to gather with the saints. Um, These are the folks who love your body and serve one another and love one another and hurt when one another hurts and prays for one another. And Father, these are the folks who who want to follow you no matter the cost. And, uh, Lord, we want to stand before you someday and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We want to know you, Father. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us tonight. Give us understanding. And, Father, I do pray for us as a church. Make us what you want us to be. Lord, I ask for that. And whatever that is, Lord, I will rejoice in your name for what you have done. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, when, Rab- when Babylon is rebuilt, and it's going to be rebuilt someday, it's going to serve as this capital city. And I've mentioned that several times. I hope it's clear in your minds. It's going to be the capital city of the Antichrist. Um, uh, really, it's going to be the seat of Satan. God calls it the seat of Satan. And by the way, there have been other seats of Satan in the world throughout history that God has identified um, throughout human history. And really, this city of Babylon is going to be the center of the world's religion. It's going to be the center of the world's government. It's going to be the center of the world's economic system. At the heart of this incredible city will be a rebellion against God, a disdain for God's word, a rejection of Jesus Christ as king. And what are the results of this wretched city, or this wretched sin of the city of Babylon? Well, Upon the city of Babylon, there, there is going to come great and utter destruction. And here's where we struggle a little bit. On that day, heaven is going to rejoice. I want to notice just two things tonight. Number one, the city of Babylon is destroyed. Uh, the city of Babylon is destroyed. Now, up until this point in chapter 18, the destruction of the city has been announced. We, we studied it last week. And it's been rejoiced. It was announced early in chapter 18, and, uh, and then it's rejoiced over in verse number 20. But notice the language in verse number 21. Uh, it's very picturesque. It's an illustration to us of the city, the awful de- uh, destruction of the city of Babylon. Verse 21. Now keep in mind, don't forget, 
This is going to be the, the cutting edge, most powerful, most influential city on the face of the earth at this time when it happens. Verse 21, And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus, or like this, with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And again, I'm reiterating to you, the angel isn't going to destroy the city with a millstone. You understand that by reading it. You see that, right? He says, like this, thus, the way the millstone entered into the water is the same way that the city of Babylon's going to be destroyed. And so that's all the angel of God is doing. He's just illustrating the destruction of this impressive city by throwing a millstone into the sea. A great millstone impacting the surface of the water. And it really helps us to picture a little bit of the violence that will come upon the city of Babylon. Some of you have pools at home, and sometimes the water is just, it doesn't hardly move at all. If you don't have the pump turned on, there's no movement. It's just still. Sometimes uh, you've seen water like that maybe in Lake Huron somewhere, where it's just like glass. Um, And then all of a sudden, somebody comes running along and does a cannonball into that pool. What happens to the water? It's, it, there's these ripples, these massive ripples that make their way out from whatever's entered the water. And that's the idea, that's the illustration. It really is easy to picture the scene. The violent upheaval of the water as the mighty weight makes impact and sinks beneath the surface. The outrushing circles of disturbance, the closing in of the sea and the eternal disappearance of the stone. This stone, like a great millstone impacting the water, illustrates for us how that the city of Babylon is going to be destroyed. It says, Thus with violence shall this great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Now, we don't have time, but there are several portions of Scripture in the Old Testament that prophesy the destruction of Babylon. Now, we could say, well, it's already been destroyed. But those prophecies indicate that once this particular destruction takes place, no one will ever live there again. No one will use any of the debris to build with again. It will never be used again. And I can tell you to this, at this day and time, there are people who live there. There are people who have tried to rebuild parts of it. In fact, there's an unfinished palace um, of some kind there on the site of old Babylon that Saddam Hussein tried to rebuild years ago for his own personal pleasure. He didn't finish it, and it's, you can see the old ruins and rubble of, of hundreds of years gone by, but people are living there. So this prophecy hasn't yet been fulfilled. Now what, comes, uh, what are some of the words that come to your mind when you think of a huge rock impacting a body of water? Well, it's violent. He draws that. Uh, the, the angel identifies that for us. It's sudden. There's a lot of displacement. Uh, there's an annihilation that's going to happen. And so the city of Babylon is going to be destroyed. The destruction of the city of Babylon is complete annihilation. Notice in verses 22 and 23 says in verse 22, And the voice of the harpers and the musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. No more, notice. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. Any more. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. So there's not going to be any grinding of grain and 
There's not going to be any manufacturing, producing of food. Verse 23, in the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. There's never going to be any lights that are lit in that city ever again. No more. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. Bridegroom and a bride. Now, what a happy day that is when someone gets married. Isn't it happy? Should be. Um, I, uh, a friend of mine years ago used to preach a message. Was it seven steps to perfect dating? Is that it? I remember Pastor Shetler. And one of them was postpone. One of the steps to perfect dating was postpone all possibilities until all parents are perfectly pleased. Want me to say that again? Postpone all possibilities until all parents are perfectly pleased. That means mom and dad on your side, mom and dad on the other side. Young people today, remember that one. You only marry the person that your parents approve of, and you only marry the person who their parents approve of you wholeheartedly. Pray to that end. But you know, a wedding should be a wonderful day. Sunday night services should be a wonderful day as well. (laughs) There are more wonderfuls for some of us than for others. Uh, William's going out again. (laughs) Twice in one night. All right. Um, How many times did we read the statement, no more? How many times did we read the statement, no more, uh, in that passage? I think it's five, right? No more. Nothing is going to exist in this city anymore. Within an hour, within one hour, and earlier in chapter 18 in verse number 10, the latter part, uh, the kings say, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Again in chapter 18 in verse 17. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught. And then uh, you look down, I think it's in verse number 19, the latter part, the mariners say at the end of verse 19, for in one hour is she made desolate, and so she's going to be absolutely annihilated. This city is going to be destroyed from the face of the earth within an hour, and there is going to be nothing left. Babylon will have gone from being the greatest city upon the earth to extinct in less than an hour. Her destruction is going to be complete. Babylon will never rise again. What's the reason for this complete destruction? Well, notice in verse number 23, the middle part, down into verse 24, and we're given the reason. Verse 23, For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. It's the capital of deception. Verse 24, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and of all that were slain upon the earth. So, in this one city is found the reason that God's people have been attacked and murdered throughout human history. And it all is found in one city, in one place. You might be wondering again, why does this city have to suffer such judgment? We can remember her perversity back in chapter uh, chapter 18, verses 3 and down through verse number 6, her sin. We can remember her pride in verse number 7, the beginning part. Look back to there, chapter 18, verse 7, how, she, how much she hath glorified herself. Don't, don't we live in an age where this glorification, is, it's all around us? Companies try to do it. Uh, it's a selling point. I know it's a business model. Uh, sports teams try to do it. Uh, uh, whether it's... Um, the NFL or the NHL or 
the NBA. It doesn't matter what. There's always this grandiose, this glorification. She hath glorified herself. She's honored herself. She's lived deliciously. And so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow. I'm second to nobody. And I shall see no sorrow. I, I, I can live however I want. This is the attitude of this city and the leadership of this city and the people of this city. I can live, we can do whatever we want. And we're going to live like there is no God. And, uh, and you know what? No one is going to hold me accountable for anything that I do. There's somebody that I care for a great deal. Pray for him every day and his family. And uh, he's made a profession of faith. He's living, he's living his life for himself. And uh, he's a man who has had great wealth. He's a man who God has blessed with tremendous abilities and talents. God's given him a wonderful family. And he's living his life day after day after day after day with the same spirit that the city of Babylon will exist. I don't care. I don't care what God does. I'm going to do whatever I want to do with my life, and I couldn't care less. No one will hold me accountable for what I do. And if he doesn't turn from his sin soon, he's going to die. If he doesn't die soon, he's going to lose everything that he has, everything. Sometimes, and even in our day, in our generation, you and me, many of us in this room who know the Bible pretty well, we've heard hundreds of sermons preached. We've been saved for maybe dozens of years. Sometimes, just as we go through life, we tend to look around at our society, and, and we, sometimes it's even hard for us to identify sin, sinfulness, and what's truly wicked in the eyes and repulsive to, in the nostrils of God. We, we, ought to, we ought to be able to not, not be judgmental in the sense of, I'm better than them. That should never cross our minds. Uh, there but by the grace of God go I. But you and I ought to have judgment, discernment to say, whoa, that is, that is not of God. God, help that individual. God, would you use me to help that individual? God, please have mercy on that individual. Lord, work in their hearts and in their lives because... This is the, the reason the city of Babylon is destroyed. Secondly, I want to notice, and finally tonight, uh, the cries in, in heaven are of praise and thanksgiving. Uh, notice in chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, he says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. Isn't that wonderful to read those words? I heard a great voice of what? Say that a little louder. Of what? Of much people in heaven. Isn't that great? Think about that. He heard a voice of the future, something that hasn't happened yet, and and there are much people in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Boy, that, that makes me so happy to read those words saying, and what are they doing? They're saying, Alleluia. Now, by the way, this is the very first time Alleluia is mentioned in the New Testament. It's mentioned, I think, 24 times or something like that in the Old Testament. Alleluia. And then they say, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Why, that's not what was happening on earth. For true and righteous are his judgments. 
For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And you have to see that in verse number 2. Why are they rejoicing? Why are they rejoicing? Well, they're rejoicing in the Lord. Let's not make any mistake about that and who he is, okay? But there is rejoicing in heaven in the destruction of, because of the destruction of Babylon. Why? Because she has led so many people away from the truth. And this isn't just this one particular city. The judgment is being uh, specifically focused on her at this, part, at this point in history. But remember, this system that uh, this city, Babylon, is just the culmination of this system that has existed prior to the Lord Jesus Christ. His ministry on earth. I should make that distinction. This religious system and this this economic system and political system has existed for thousands of years. And it is of the devil, and it has been used by the devil to lead people to reject the truth or to not know the truth and ultimately lead them to hell for all of eternity. And anything like that should bring great uh, disgust to us and to the Lord. And so in heaven they're rejoicing because she has been destroyed. Verse 4, notice there, or verse 3, And again they say, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. So it's complete. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Four times in these six verses, the word Alleluia is mentioned. Alleluia means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, When I read that passage, I want to raise both hands, okay? Praise the Lord. By the way, you might do that in heaven, just a heads up. They did it in the Old Testament. Just be prepared. No, I warned you. Why do they sing Alleluia? Well, they sing, they'll sing Alleluia unto the Lord God. In verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. In other words, it doesn't belong anywhere else. It only belongs to him. I enjoy watching the game, I do. I, I enjoy watching the fans cheer for their teams and and sometimes I find myself looking at those people like, you know, a person that crazy shouldn't, I don't know how they, a person that crazy, how can they even afford to go to the game if they're that nuts? I mean, obviously they're nuts. Look at them, you know. Uh, how can they even afford to go to a game like that? But I enjoy a good game, and I enjoy the team winning, you know, with the right helmet on and those sort of things. But, uh, but you know, we, we, we praise and we glorify and we honor people that we've never met and Alma maters that aren't our alma maters. Uh, you know, uh, there is one who is worthy of our praise, and nothing else comes close to that. And that's what's happening here. First time, hallelujah, has occurred in the New Testament. They're praising the Lord for his salvation, for his majesty. Why? Because he is honorable. They're praising him because, for his power. 
the destruction of this wicked city of Babylon indicates that the defeat of the evil that has plagued the earth for so long is close. It's almost over. Evil is so entrenched in our society that no legislation can purge it from our country. It cannot, no legislation, no uniting of, no united nations can purge it from the country or remove the decay. Much people will praise God. Uh, why are they singing? They'll sing hallelujah because his judgments are true and righteous. You see that in verses 2 and 3. They'll, they'll, they'll praise him. They'll sing praise the Lord because his judgments, what he does, are true and right. Notice verse 2, for, the tr- for true and righteous. Righteous, the, God is righteous. That means he, he always does what is right. So when you and I read about a situation like this, be careful to be the judge of God. I would warn you against that. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can believe in a God like that. If you don't believe in a God like this, you don't believe in the God of the Bible. Be careful there. But, but nor should we just say, amen, thought, thoughtlessly. You should think about what's happening here. And you ought to ponder, who is? This is God. This is my Lord and Savior. This is, I don't know if I know him like this. Well, we should. You should. Uh, his judgments are right, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. So they're going to sing. They're going to sing praises to God. I, I won't take time to turn to it, but in, in Psalm 73, a man by the name of Asaph writes, pens down some words of God there. And Asaph Asaph comes to the point in his life where he really wonders, have I believed in vain? I mean, you know, and and Asaph was a servant of God, and so the idea is this, have I given my life to serve the Lord in vain? Have I given my, my worship to God in vain? I mean, I look all around me, and I look around, and I see people disobeying God and seemingly getting away, away with it. I see people rebelling against God, and, and they seem to be prospering. And then if you read Psalm 73, it's a great psalm to read. I encourage you to do it. You read Psalm 73. He then says, but then I considered their end. And it really is horrible. And he talks about how you reap what you sow. And if you, if you, you, can't, you can't just say, God, I'm sorry, I'm doing whatever I want and get away with it. That's, and that's a New Testament principle, by the way. You reap what you sow. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, destruction. And that's written to New Testament believers, by the way. And it certainly it applies to those who are lost. Sometimes we may, it may look like God isn't bothered at all by the wicked disobedience to his word. Years go by and we watch the world around us walk further and further away from God's word, sin upon sin upon sin. And seemingly they grow and flourish, but in the end, God always does what is right. God is true and he is righteous and there is coming a day when he's going to judge those who have lived to serve themselves. There's coming a day when he's going to avenge, punish this wicked system for murdering his messengers Heaven is going to rejoice at the destruction of this city because of what she represents, perversion, uh, pride, and presumption upon God. We can deal with him. We'll, we'll make a deal with him. 
And this city is going to be that physical, tangible expression of all that is rebellious against God. And God is going to eradicate that city and the system on which it is built. Look at verse 4. They sing Alleluia to worship him who is sovereign. Verse 4. And the four and twenty elders. Now, we, we were introduced to them early on in our study of Revelation. They're still here. The four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the, on the throne. He sits on the throne saying, Amen, so be it, may it be so, Alleluia. And they say it again. You know, God can do what he desires to do with what is his. God can do what he, what he wants to do with what is his. That's what the word sovereign means. He is sovereign. He is over all. It doesn't mean that if uh, you as a parent lose your temper and discipline your child in anger that God made you do it. That's not what sovereignty of God means. It means that he is over all and that we are all accountable to him. Not just those who are saved, but those who are unsaved. And, and the, the most powerful man in the world or most powerful woman in the world is accountable to God. He is the sovereign of the world. And everything belongs to him. And this is the very last time that the 20 elders, I should mention, and four beasts are mentioned in Revelation. Their attitude is one of praise to Jesus Christ. They're worshiping Christ as the sovereign of heaven and earth. And then notice finally, uh, verses 5 and 6, they'll sing Alleluia because God is supreme. Verses 5 and 6. And a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God. That's a command to all who are in heaven. Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were, and here comes the response, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Imagine what that's going to sound like. What's that going to sound? you know that you're going to be a part of that if you're a child of God? you know that if you're a born-again child of God, you are going to be there on that day? This is about you and me. And we're going to hear the voice come out from the throne. All ye his servants. And maybe we'll lift our heads. That's me. I live to do his will. That's what we'll do on that day. And you know, if you're here tonight and you're not living to do his will, live to do his will now, too. Live to do God's will. He is the king. We ought to serve him. The voice of a great multitude is the voice of many waters, is the voice of mighty thunderings. God is supreme above all others. He is over all. God is omnipotent. Every being in the universe inspired by the love of God, from the humblest saint, you notice there, uh, he says both, both small and great. There's a distinction there. From the humblest saint to the mightiest of the cherubims, we're all going to join in that swelling chorus. And it's going to reverberate, and it's going to roll, and it's going to echo, and it's going to swell and resound and grow as a mighty waterfall of sound, a thunderous roar of praise the Lord. That's what that word hallelujah means. Praise the Lord. And it's going to be a glorious day because the victory is very, very close. What a sound. There will only be sound of praise to God. That will be the sound of worship for the only person who is worthy of worship. And I'll end with this. Will you be there on that day? Will you be there on that day?
it would be such a sad thing if that day came and you weren't there. Will you be there on that day? Because this day is coming. As we continue next week and following weeks, as we, we draw to an end, I have to say things are going to get really exciting in a hurry. They're, they really do. We're on the downhill. Uh, this is the best part of the slope. And uh, the marriage supper of the land, Lamb is next, where the bride of Christ, the church, is sat down with our Lord and our Savior, and there's a union, a reunion. And, uh, and then uh, the battle of Armageddon. And then Jesus Christ ruling and reigning for a, for a thousand years and then forever and ever. And uh, let's pray together and you'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father.